Well, welcome. How's everybody doing? I just want to say welcome to all of our campuses, Lone Tree, Castle Rock, Highland Ranch, Lakewood, if you're live online um, or listening to this message later, we just want to welcome you to our series, Strongholds. Um, this weekend, we are in part two of Strongholds, and I'm just going to jump straight into this uh, because there's a lot of stuff that we need to cover um, tonight, um, and I just, uh, I believe that the Lord today wants us to do some amazing things. Before we jump into this, though, last weekend, Pastor John started this whole series, uh, and he talked about a book that we wanted to recommend to everybody. This is a book written by Bob Sorge. It's called Open from the Inside. Open from the Inside. This whole series is based around 2 Samuel chapter 5, when David and his mighty men take on Zion, the stronghold of Zion within Jerusalem. And Bob Sorge has taken that passage of scripture. He's really expanded the idea of what that could have looked like, and then taken the implications of um, what physically happened there and saying, well, what, what spiritually does that mean for us in our lives? What's the, what can we learn from uh, what David and what Joab did through taking the stronghold of Zion? So I just highly encourage anybody, if you have not picked up this book at all of our campuses, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, Lone Tree, um, you can actually grab this at the Connect Grow Serve tables this weekend. I would highly encourage you guys to get a copy of it. Um, it's well worth the read. And I believe that it's, it's really taking what we're doing in this series, Strongholds, to the next level. It's being able to, to not just rely on a weekend message, but the opportunity for you to take this into your living room, into your home, into your bedroom, into your office, and really uh, just take the messages a step further because I believe that, that God wants to do breakthrough. We even saw just on the intro of this message, is this your day for breakthrough? And I believe that God wants breakthrough in all of our lives. Um, I don't think it just comes through a book, but I think that, that this is an encouraging way for us to move forward and say, yes, God, we want breakthrough in our lives. So grab that today on your way out. I would highly encourage you to do that. I also wanted to, um, like I said, last week, Pastor John set a great foundation for this series. Um, he talked about, if you guys didn't, get, if you weren't here, um, you missed it, even you just want a little recap, um, he, uh, he talked on the differences between um, struggles and strongholds. Um, obviously, this series is a series that we're talking about strongholds, but it's really interesting to be able to determine the difference between a struggle and a stronghold. And if you haven't heard that, um, I would highly encourage you guys, again, to go back and listen to that. We have it on podcasts. Um, the way that I thought about this, though, as Pastor John taught last week, uh, it came to me as I was developing the notes for this message. And, and I thought about it this way, and I put this in your notes. There are two approaches that we can come at life um, whenever we face an obstacle, whenever we face something that stands in our way. Um, the first approach would be from the outside in, which is the most natural approach. It's the way that you hear most armies taking on um, the, the other opposing forces, whether it be um, people that live in a fortress or what, you know, just armies head on. But it would be taking something from the outside in. That's the natural and the normal approach. And I said, in, in Joshua chapter 6, we see this, and everybody knows the story in Joshua chapter 6. Um, I'm sure everybody understands uh, and recognizes the, the Battle of Jericho. How many of you guys have heard about the Battle of Jericho? Okay, you, you sing songs when you were a little kid. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Well, the story, it, it goes very, something like this. This is really the condensed version. Um, Joshua and his mighty men, and the Bible actually calls the men that surround Joshua, just like the men that surrounded David, the mighty men that were with Joshua. And they came up to the, to the city uh, of Jericho, and it was a fortified place, much like Jerusalem. And they came up, and, they, and God had told them that they were going to take on this place, but it was going to look a bit different than just, you know, 
know, storming the castle kind of an idea. And it required a bit of, uh, bit of work on their part. Um, and it required a lot of work on God's part. Um, and so what happened is a period of seven days go by. Every, for the first six days, Joshua and his men in the ark march around the city one time. Um, the next morning comes, they march around the city one time. On the seventh day, they march around the city seven times. This is the command of God. They march around the city seven times, and they yell, and they blow their trumpets, and the walls of Jericho come falling down. And they come, and they penetrate, and they take over Jericho from the outside in. Okay, so that's one approach. Obviously, it both required Joshua and his men to listen to God, to, be, um, to listen to his word, to listen to his plan, and to follow that out. But it really required an act of God on their part. But it looked like a penetration from the outside in. Well, then we come to 2 Samuel chapter 5, which is what we're talking about in this series, and that's David and his mighty men. Um, a, just a little bit of preface of this story. It, it is uh, David and his men have taken on the entire city of Jerusalem. So they occupy the city of Jerusalem other than a fortress, an internal fortified place within um, Jerusalem, and the place that, they, that is fortified is called Zion. And the Jebusites are in Zion, I believe it is, um, and they, they're hurling insults at David and his mighty men saying, well, you may have been able to take Jerusalem, but there's no way you're going to take the stronghold inside of Jerusalem. We just recognize we are too powerful. In fact, they hurl insults and they say, even our blind and our lame could repel you from this stronghold. They recognize they're in a place that's highly fortified. So I just want to jump into that uh, passage of Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9. If you guys have your Bibles and turn there today with me. I'm reading out of the New King James, and it says this. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind... And the lame will repel you, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who were hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come in the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around the millow and inward. Today, we are going to now jump from the ter determination of what is a stronghold. That was last week. We determined what are strongholds. Um, Pastor John even talked a little bit about how do you take on strongholds. Today, we're jumping into the idea of takeover. I thought it was an appropriate idea and mentality to say, okay, if you've determined that you had a stronghold in your life, and, and I think that we saw from last week, overwhelmingly, many of us are facing strongholds in our lives, it's time for us to do something about it. It's time for us to experience takeover in our lives, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, but it requires the Holy Spirit, and what I really felt um, coming into this message this weekend was the fact that we really need to rely on the Holy Spirit. I don't think that the words that I wrote on the paper, um, the notes that you guys have in front of you are, they're, they're not an epiphany probably to most people, but I believe that the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we understand that the Holy Spirit has been implanted inside every believer. My heart, my desire, my belief is, as we walk through this process, that you would be encouraged that God in you, through his Holy Spirit, can help take over the strongholds that may be in your life. So would you guys just pray with me? Father, we come to you. And I truly am just bowed at your feet, Lord God, because we require 
just an act of your spirit in our lives in order to be able to take over the strongholds. Lord God, we recognize that there are, there are great ideas, Father, that there are weapons that we can use. But Lord, it really requires your Holy Spirit. And so we invite you into our lives personally. We invite you into our services this weekend, Lord God. We invite you into our campuses, into our homes, Father, but most of all into our lives and the battle that we face with these strongholds. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage, that your Holy Spirit would, would bring strength, Lord God, strength that we can't have by ourselves, Lord. That's not natural, but that comes from you. And so, Father, we give you our lives. I give you this message, and I pray that you would have your will in it and that you would do as you please, Father, today in all of our lives. And everyone said, amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, I think it was really the crux of where I wanted to go with this message. And it says this, Pastor John used it again last week, but we're going to talk about it in a different way. And it says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, and I underline this, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons that we have are not weapons that are carnal, weapons that we can hold within our hands and we feel confident because of what we hold in our hands. But the weapons that we as believers fight with are weapons that go far beyond and they're further reaching than anything that we could ever understand or imagine because they are fighting a battle that's spiritual, not just physical. And as I read that, I really um, felt this encouragement from the Holy Spirit, this encouragement that really, I felt that whole understanding that takeover is possible, not because of my knowledge, not because of my strength, not because of my ability, not because of my courage, not because of anything that I have, but because the weapons that I fight with are God's. Because the tools that I have are not mine, but they are his. And with his tools, with his weapons, the strongholds that we face seem menial in the spiritual realm. There are things that can be taken down. And so as I walked through that and I processed it and I recognized the divine power that God has given us to take on these strongholds, three key elements, three keys to taking down strongholds really jumped out at me. So we're going to jump into those today. Um, the first one, and you'll see this in your notes, the first key that I believe for takeover, and I don't think, I just want to make sure that I, I blanket this. I at first, when I wrote these notes, I wrote three steps to takeover. I don't think these are the only three ways to get to takeover, okay? So I wanted to make sure that I, I changed the terminology there, but three things that we see in the Second Samuel chapter 5 scripture that led to takeover, and I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's huge in our lives. So I want to let you know, if you're walking through a process of takeover, this is not the only way, because God has many ways to allow that in your lives, but this is a very strategic way that he used in David's life that we can learn. And the first one is this, map a plan. And I wrote next to this, and maybe you guys do this in your notes, I said, or maybe better put, let God map a plan. Let God map a plan in your life Again, if you have determined that there's a stronghold that you face in your life, I think one of the greatest ploys of the enemy is to let us, give us the feeling that we're already defeated, that we, what we come up against, it's impossible to penetrate. In fact, the way that the enemy comes against us is he hurls insults just like he did to David, saying, oh, give me a break. 
You think you can take on Jerusalem and then you just think that you could come take Zion? We've stood here forever penetrating the enemy or, or, or warding off the enemy. Nobody's ever been able to penetrate this fortress. In fact, we're so confident in that even the blind and the lame could ward off your attacks. And that's the way that the enemy, I believe, in our lives, when we face a stronghold, one of the first things that he does is he tries to lie to us and say, you've already been defeated. There's no reason to come up with a plan because it's not going to work. Well, I think it's really interesting in 2 Samuel, we just read this, but 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 8, David, as he led his mighty men, I don't know exactly what happened at this point in, in time, but I know that they came up against the stronghold of Zion. And I would believe that David heard from the Lord. And the Lord encouraged David and said, you know what? There's a way to do this. They're right. You can't just come and take Zion from the outside, but there's a way to do this. And so I believe that as David uh, walked down that path and listened to the Lord, the Lord divinely inspired him to come up with a plan. And what was that plan? Well, we look at 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 8, and the plan says this. Now, David said on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft... And defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Now, I don't, again, I don't know really a whole lot of what was going on at this moment, other than the fact that they came up against a stronghold and they recognized something needs to be done with this. They also recognize that we can't penetrate this like, we, like, like, a, like a, a Joshua chapter 6 Jericho experience. We have to come from the inside. And so David is developing this plan and developing this idea, something that is probably seemingly preposterous as he shares it with his men saying, okay, here's the deal. We're up against a stronghold and we can either walk away and be defeated or we can believe that God has a way into this and a way that's going to be able to penetrate this. See, God is strategic and I think sometimes we forget that. God has plans and purposes and ways to defeat the enemy in our lives, no matter what we face. God is a strategic God. I believe that he uses us in his strategy and he wants to use us in his plan, but we have to listen to what his plan is in order to do that. So many times we come up against strongholds, maybe even with our own plans, and we feel like we have just constantly been defeated time after time after time. And what I felt like the encouragement from God was, listen to him because he's strategic and he has a way in. And it may sound crazy. It may be one of those things that one out of 30 responds to that call, but there's always a way in. And it has to come from the Lord. And that's what he shared. And that's what David was sharing with his mighty men. He said, okay, we're coming up against a stronghold. We have Zion that's here in front of us. And I believe that the Lord has spoken to me and the way in is through the water shaft. Through the place where you have to go through darkness, you have to strip yourself of all of the weapons that you feel confident with, your sword, your armor, your helmet. And it's time to go in in a way that seems ridiculous, but it's the only way that we're ever gonna get to the inside to defeat this place. You see, I believe that God has given us a promise in this life. Anybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, the promise that we have in this life is ultimate victory. And I think that's a huge thing in our lives, and we all have to recognize this, that, like as Pastor John said, I've read the end of the story, and we win the battle. Okay, we win the war. In fact, the enemy will not triumph over us. So one day, there will be victory in our lives. 
That's his promise. The payoff of that promise is heaven. We don't live in heaven, we live on earth. We live in a place where there's sin, where there's difficulty, where there's trials, where, where, where the enemy runs around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour, where we face um, people who are fallible, where we live life that's difficult, where we come up against things that we're just like, why, Lord? Somewhere between the promise of victory and the payoff of heaven is a process that we have to walk through in order to successfully navigate this life. And I believe that that process is every day being led by the Holy Spirit. Every day when we wake up, asking the Lord to guide us and to direct us into his plans and his promises, so that as we look and we recognize that heaven is there one day, we don't just get so locked and fixated on that that we don't, we're no earthly good. My heart and my desire would be that the Holy Spirit encourages you to say, you know what, every day I have a plan for you and I want you to listen to what that plan is. And as you walk that out, you can actually have daily successes. You can have success in everything that you do, even when you come up against a stronghold that you feel like may be beating you down. I had a thought as I read the 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 8 scripture, and the thought was this. No risk, no reward. David and his mighty men could have come up against the fortified stronghold of Zion and just thrown their hands up and said, well, it's too risky. It's too difficult. It's too hard. But with risk, with great risk, comes great reward. But it takes people to be encouraged People to understand that it's not about, just like 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, it's not about what I already have, but it's about the weapons that I don't even know anything about. It's about the Holy Spirit inside of me encouraging, guiding, giving me strength, giving me his supernatural weapons to fight these battles. And as we look at risky, ridiculous plans, we recognize, just like Joab did, maybe it's possible. Maybe the plan that God has, although... It, it seemingly would lead to death. It seemingly wouldn't work. Maybe it's actually possible. Maybe God in his strategy knows things that you don't. Maybe he's bigger than our imagination. Maybe he's bigger than the things that we face in our lives. And so I just want to challenge you. If you believe that God has encouraged you with a plan that seems risky, Maybe it's time to take a step in that direction and let go of comfortability. Let go of the things that you know of in this world and walk into a thing, a thing that only the Lord knows how it's going to happen. Pastor John puts it this way. He says, heaven is attracted to boldness. Heaven is attracted to boldness. You see, Zion was taken because one man chose to take God's plan seriously. God inspired that plan through David. And as you see, David's not even the one who responded to it. David said, I'm going to be the mouthpiece. I'm going to be the one that shares God's plan. But it takes somebody with great boldness to actually step up and say, I'll do it. To enter the water shaft. It took one person to hear what God was saying and to move on it. And because of that, we recognize through this story there was great victory. 
It says in just a few verses that actually David and his mighty men took that place because of what God was doing, and then they sat on the throne. You see, here at the Lone Tree Campus last weekend, whenever we finished our services, I felt like the Lord said something really direct to me. And I think it was this, it was that word that you can either accommodate strongholds in your life, you can set up a camp at the base of that stronghold and just live your life that way. With the enemy constantly hurling insult after insult after insult, pointing a finger, throwing rocks, spears, things that hurt. And you could set up camp at the base of that stronghold and live your whole life accommodating for it. Or you can get a plan from God, hear from him, and find a way to take it over. If you have lived your life in a place where you have constantly just accommodated the strongholds in your life and you feel, you feel like that's just the way you have to live your life, I just want to share with you that is not the plan that God has for you. That is not his desire for you to get beat up constantly by the enemy because you've set up camp at the base of a stronghold. It's time to tear the tents down and to take on the stronghold of Zion in your life being encouraged and led by the Holy Spirit as he gives us a plan because it's the only way to real payoff in this life. It's the only way to real payoff. I felt um, this, this point too, the whole idea of taking action, this is really what I felt like God was encouraging me with. Take action, take action. I felt like the, the Holy Spirit this week was just, that's, that's the word that just kept coming to my mind. With that idea of takeover, it requires action. Takeover is not something that I can do just by just sitting here. I have to do something about a plan. So you hear from God, you get his plan, and it's only as good as the willingness of us to do something with it. If you hear the Lord giving you a plan in your life, if you come up against strongholds, if you're ready to break camp and say, I'm gonna do something about this, and you hear and you, you're developing a plan and a strategy with God, what it requires is for somebody to actually have movement with that plan. You see, I think a really interesting way that, that this can be put is that your greatest stronghold in life, it may seem huge. It may seem insurmountable, but the, the, the reality of it is, is your greatest stronghold may be God's greatest opportunity to work in you. Your greatest stronghold may be God's greatest opportunity to work in your life. Sometimes when we come up against strongholds, we've bought the lies of the enemy. The lie that you can't do anything about this. The lie that you have to live with this. The lie that this is just the way that it is. And the reality is, is that's the most perfect opportunity for God to come into your life and to show you his divine and mighty power. But we have to allow him to do that in us. You have to follow his plan. 1 John 4, verse 4, the second half of that says, we've all heard the scripture, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know that we buy into that all the time. I think we face an enemy of this world, an enemy of our souls, and sometimes we feel like, well, I just have to live with it that way. And I don't think that that's the truth. I don't think that God has just thrown us to the enemy and said, well, that is what it is. 
I believe that God has given us tools. He's given us resources. He's given us supernatural weapons to defeat the enemy in our lives. And we no longer have to live with the enemy beating us up. We no longer have to live at the base of a stronghold, looking at it, wishing that we could get to the inside of it and just having to feel like we just got to be okay. God has given us the ability. God has plans for you in your life that require you to take action, but you have to trust that he is far greater than the enemy of your soul. You see, when Joab heard the call of God through David, he had to recognize one thing, and that thing was this. I can recognize how stupid this, this, this plan sounds, and I can walk away. Or I could recognize that this is a divinely inspired plan of God, and greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world, than he who has allowed this stronghold, than he who has created it. Greater is God in this whole plan. You have to be able to see God in the plan. But so many times our eyes are shielded. We're jaded because of our experiences, because of life, because of difficulty. It's time to break free of that, church. It's time to take action in our lives and trust that God can do all things. God can do all things. Isaiah 40, verse 28 and 29 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I pray, church, that you would be encouraged that the God we serve is greater than anything that you may come up against in your life. In fact, I think that the most paralyzing factor in our lives for being able to come up against strongholds is the fear that we can't do anything about it. That fear that if I go in there, I'm going to die. You're telling me to come up against something that's beat me down for years, something that I've tried to defeat from the outside in, and you're just you're sitting here trying to tell me that it's possible to come up against it? Believe me, I've tried. I believe that you have. But have you gotten God's preposterous plan to go to the inside of it and break out? Do you believe that God is bigger than that which you face in your life? If you do... May you be encouraged. You don't have to live with it anymore. And you have the ability through him to take action that provides change. Pastor John said, what do you do with a stronghold in your life? Ultimately, there has to be a transition of power. Whoever sits on that throne of that stronghold is the one that controls everything that has to do with it. It's time for us to have a transition of power a changeover in who sits on the throne of the strongholds in our life. I wrote down in your notes, make a bold move. And I'm right next to that, I wrote illustration, uh, water world. If you've been here for a few years, I taught a few years ago, I talked about this story, but I couldn't think of anything that was any better. And I hope that I never have to experience anything that's any better than this. Um, a few years ago, we, uh, we as a church went to Waterworld. We as a church staff went to Waterworld um, just to enjoy a staff day. Um, and we did. We enjoyed a great day. It was a beautiful, sunny day. Had a lot of fun. All the staff of the church was there. Um, and the day was winding down. And so the park was getting ready to close. Everybody was leaving. And so I, I uh, along with my brother and Pastor Chris, um, we went 
over towards where the lock, if you've been to Waterworld, at the, at the front entrance, there's some lockers, there's some, some locker rooms um, and whatnot where you can just kind of get dressed as you're ready to leave. So I went to the locker room. My brother uh, and Pastor Chris were sitting outside, and I was, I was going to go take a shower, get cleaned up, get changed so that we could leave. So I walked into the locker room, and it was packed because everybody's leaving the park. So I walked over to the only open seat that was against the wall, and there was a gentleman sitting next to, to or on the, on the uh, bench next to where I was, and I put my stuff down, and I was getting ready to go take a shower, and I, the guy just seemed weird to me. And I'm like, I don't know, I just didn't feel right. So rather than leaving, I'd left my stuff there, but I felt like something's just, it's kind of shady. And I had my wallet there, and I had my keys there, and so I was just kind of trying to pay attention, just making sure um, that, that my stuff was safe as I went in and took a shower. As I, as I was showering, I, was, I just kept watching the guy, and, and he was just, I don't know, have you ever just been with somebody that is just, they're just weird? I don't mean weird like, like goofy. I mean, weird like that they're, what they're doing, their actions that they're partaking in and stuff, they're just not natural. They're just not normal. Well, that was kind of the situation. So as I, I stepped out of the shower, I went back over to my stuff, um, and I started toweling off, um, getting changed. And as I did that, I stood over him, um, above him, as he sat down, and he was facing the opposite direction that I was. So as I watched him, he didn't realize I was watching him. So I just kept paying attention and kind of took my time, what in the world's going on. And I recognized that he had a backpack on, the, on his, his chest. So he was wearing it in front of him and he was leaned up against the wall. And every couple minutes, he would reach into the backpack and he'd fumble around with stuff. And then he would pull his arm back out and zip it up. And he just kept doing that over and over and over again. I'm like, this is not, this is not normal. Like, what is it? He wasn't changing. He had a towel around his neck, but he didn't look like he, had been, he was wet. Like, it was just really odd. And so, long story short, I recognized what was going on. He was videotaping people changing, specifically young boys, in the changing room that we were standing in. And I say I recognized it. I got to tell you, I didn't see anything that specifically said that's exactly what it was. There was no marker. I didn't see a video camera. I didn't see a still camera. I just, I just knew, like all of a sudden, oh my goodness. Like I'm witnessing this guy videotaping boys in the bathroom. Like I just knew it. I knew it. And at that moment, like a thousand thoughts went through my head. One of which was just run away. <laughs> like you don't know exactly what's going on here. Don't get yourself into trouble. You can leave, enjoy the rest of your day, walk away and for the rest of my life wonder what was going on. But what I really felt was that the Holy Spirit just, it's like my feet were cemented to the ground. That's the best way that I can explain it. Because I wanted to leave. I wanted to get out of there. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, nope, you're not leaving, you're not leaving, you're gonna stay here, there's a plan, there's, there's a reason that you're here. And so I stood there, and I don't know how much time went by, it felt like forever. I think it was just seconds, but it felt like hours of me just contemplating what was going on. So I grabbed all my stuff, and I'm like, my heart's racing 100 miles an hour, literally. And I looked at the guy, and at the, I mean, literally at the top of my lungs, I just looked at the guy, again, he still didn't see me, and I go, what are you doing? And everybody in the entire locker room stops what they're doing, puts their stuff down, and looks over at us. I'm like, oh, Lord, I hope that I am not going to get arrested. I hope that I am not a fool. So... 
The guy looks up at me, and he freaks out. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. And I said, you are videotaping people, and you need to stop it right now. He's like, no, I'm not. And he gets up, and he runs out of the bathroom, and I follow him. So I run out of the bathrooms. We're walking through the lockers. I'm talking to this guy. And I said, okay, what are you doing? He said, nothing. He's none of your business. And I said, oh, then why don't you show me what's in your backpack? No, I don't need to show you what's in my backpack. I said, why? Because there's a video camera in there? No, there's no video camera. Leave me alone. Get away from me. You're weird. And just this conversation's going on. As this is happening, we're walking past the lockers towards the uh, exit of the park. We walk past my brother and Pastor Chris, who are sitting on this rock wall, and I'm chasing this guy, yelling at him. And they're just like, what in the world is going on? And so we're running past them, and I tell my brother, I look over at my brother and Pastor Chris, and I'm like, you guys need to call the police. This guy's videotaping people in the bathroom. At that moment, my brother jumps up, and he follows us. You know, at Waterworld, there's like 14-year-old kids guarding the entrance. There's no security. Like, like the oldest person around me was like 17 years old. And I'm like, can somebody please help me? And everybody's like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. So we beeline it out of the park. I'm following this guy. Now my brother's with me. And we start following him through the parking lot. And so I'm like, well, I, I'll just walk him to his car. You know? <laughs> what the heck? I've already gone this far. Doesn't really matter. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So we follow him to his car. Um, I'm sorry. We follow him through the parking lot. I think he's going to his car. And he cuts all the way through the parking lot. He walks out of the parking lot. He starts to walk across the street. My brother goes to grab the backpack, and he backhands my brother in the mouth. My brother's bleeding out of his mouth. The guy's, we, he crosses another street. And at this moment in time, I'm like, where is the security? Where are the police? Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm like miles away from Waterworld. I'm only like across two streets. And I'm like, there's nobody around. We passed this like group of like three teenagers sitting on the grass. Me and my brother are running after this guy. And they're just like looking up again at us. And they're just like following us, trying to figure out what's going on. But we're about to walk into a neighborhood. So we're following behind the guy. And in a matter of just seconds, again, I'm like, I felt like the guy was like taking some stutter steps. And I thought he was going to run. So I tackled him. <laughs> from behind. <laughs> so I jump, and I'm not a small guy, you know, and I wrestled in high school, so I kind of know what I'm doing. So I jumped on the guy, I bear hug him, I take him to the ground, my brother comes over, he's helping me pin this guy down. These three teenagers are trying to figure out, like, what in the world's going on? Am I supposed to help? Am I supposed to, like, run away? Like, I don't know what's happening. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this water world security guard pull up in a golf cart, like, <laughs> hop the curb in a golf cart. He jumps out of the golf cart, he pulls a taser gun out, and he points it directly at me. Because I'm sitting on top of this pile of guys, and I look like I've just instigated this, like the world's most major fight right there at Waterworld. And um, so I just, I kind of roll off the pile, and I'm like, all right, like, here we go. Here the process starts. So after just, I mean, it was just seconds. It was probably 15 or 20 seconds. Three cop cars pull up. The cops come out. They handcuff all of us. We're sitting on this hill. I'm like, oh, Lord. Like, seriously, like, I really hope this was you. I really hope this was you. I see across the street, Pastor Chris is freaking out. She's like, that's my son-in-law, that's my son-in-law. She's like, she doesn't realize what in the world's going on, doesn't know what's happening. My brother, who's I've now roped into this, is sitting in handcuffs on the grass. He really has no idea what's going on. I'm the only person through this whole process that, that even thinks I have any understanding of what's happening. Long story short, 
we all get questioned. Um, they look in the guy's backpack, and sure enough, they find a video camera. So they start scanning through the video camera, the cops do, um, and obviously the guy's denying everything. They scan through the video camera because he had left it recording the entire time that we're following him. So they're rewinding, 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 and all of a sudden they come to a place in the video, in, in, on the tape, and I could see it on the cop's face. They closed it, and they're like, sorry, you're done, buddy. So they take him to the cop car, handcuffed him, took him off. We had to fill out our police reports. And a whole year-long process goes on with this guy being prosecuted by the state, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and lo and behold, um, they, they catch him on, on multiple accounts of, of things going on. He, has to, he had to register as a sex offender. He had to go through, um, he's still going through a five-year probationary period where he has to constantly check in with the state, say what's going on. And um, it was just a really interesting thing. It was his first time offensive being caught. Um, but it's really encouraging. And the encouraging part is this. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me in a way that was so clear with a plan that seemed so stupid. And I had a choice to make. I had the choice at that moment to walk away from that plan, to walk away from that situation, from that scenario and say, I don't really know what was happening. I'm not really sure. I don't want to get myself into any trouble, so I'm just going to live with that. And I could have lived my whole life in the shadow of that decision. Or I could have done something about it and followed through with the world's most ridiculous plan of chasing after a guy through Waterworld. And so I chose, mostly because I couldn't move, to do it. But it required a step of action to do that. This wasn't going to happen just out of the natural. Out of the blue, this guy was not going to just get caught in the midst of what he has done. In fact, the amazing thing is I talked with police officers through this process. They say, sadly, people get away for years doing this, sometimes a lifetime doing th these things without ever being caught. And so many times... I believe God puts people in the midst of it to see it, and yet we're blinded because we don't want to walk into something that we don't, it's the unknown. It's a fear of what's on the other side of it. Church, I believe that as we come up against strongholds in life, we have an option and an opportunity to take a bold move of action or to walk away, living with that in our lives for the rest of our lives. I want to say, it's not just courage. Like making that decision to, to speak out to this guy was not just an act of courage. If it, if it required courage alone, I would have been out. I would have been the first one out. Well, I don't have the courage. It ain't me. It required the Holy Spirit. It required the Holy Spirit. And in our lives, in order to take on the strongholds, in order to really take that step of action, it requires the Holy Spirit. Because it requires you to know without a shadow of a doubt. When I walk into this, it's what God led me into. So whether I come out alive or I don't come out alive, it's what he told me to do, so I'm gonna do it. You have to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit in your lives. If you hear nothing else that I teach you today, if you hear nothing else that God wants to say to you this weekend, hear the fact that the Holy Spirit is speaking and we need to listen. It's time to listen because from his word is the only thing that we can take action on that will be successful. 
Until you are sick of the situation that you're in, you may never get free from it. If you're okay living camped in the shadows of a stronghold, you may spend your whole life there. You might. But the reality is, is there's freedom from that. And it's time to not be okay living there. I wrote down in my notes, seasons can be a great determiner of whether or not you have a stronghold in your life. If you have been walking through a winter season for a long time, I would challenge you to look up and look around and see if you are living in the shadow of a stronghold. Many times, the experiences that we have, the mentality that we come at life with, the things that we do, the ways that we feel about things, the season of life that we're in, can greatly be determined by the strongholds that you're up against. If you've been walking through, I, I believe at our campuses this weekend, there are people in this place. If you've been walking through a winter season in your life, and you're talking about months, maybe years that you've been in that winter season, I believe that you may be up against a stronghold that you don't even know exists. You are living in the shadow of a stronghold. And the great news is there's freedom. The great news is, is God wants to sit on the throne of that stronghold and shed light to the whole situation. He wants to bring you freedom from that captivity. You gotta recognize what the stronghold is first. Go back and listen to the message from last week. Are you in a place where there's a stronghold in your life? If you've determined that you are, what are you going to do about it? Are you willing to have God give you a plan and to take action on that plan so that you can see takeover in your life? Because it's possible. It's possible. There was a survey done a few years ago, um, and the survey was, was given to uh, elderly in the United States. They said, if you could go back and you could change one thing in your life, what would you do? And a huge majority of the people that responded to the survey said, I would have taken more risks. I would have taken more risks. I live my life too safe. I believe in our lives it's time for us to take risks, not externally, not like going to Waterworld, just waiting for that next person, <laughs> but risks that provide great reward because God's in the midst of what you're doing. Risk and action is what brings about change. Plans don't themselves bring about change. It requires risk and action on those plans to bring about change. Very briefly, I want to touch on point three, and that is this. Use a team when you go into battle. Use a team. I think that there's something really neat. God has just continued to increase our church um, in all different ways. We have multiple campuses. We have people that watch online. Um, and God has just done an amazing thing. And I think that it's really cool because at all of our campuses, we have groups of people that experience life together. It's not just about church. You can come to church and just come to church and then that's all you do. But you also have the opportunity at all of our campuses to be able to experience life together with people. And I think that there's a huge function of that, that sometimes we pass up, and that would be the fact that it's not just about community, it's not just about fulfilling the social desires that you may have, but it's about the fact that biblical Christianity talks about 
us living in a family of believers and the fact that when we walk through our lives, we don't have to walk through life alone. We don't have to come up against an enemy alone. We don't have to face the battles alone. Now, when we read through this 2 Samuel chapter 5 experience, we recognize two things. There's an army of people that David leads, and they come up against the stronghold of Zion. And one man is the one that goes in to the inside. Now, what I think that we don't recognize is the fact that one man did not take the stronghold of Zion. One man answered the call. One man went to the inside. One man climbed up the water shaft. One man was bold enough to answer the call. One man was the one who listened and believed that the Holy Spirit was in that preposterous plan. One man opened the doors, but a team took the stronghold. If we think that Joab went in there and killed all those people by himself, I think we have another thing coming to us. That's not what the Bible says. Now, we have to infer some of this from the Scripture. But the reality is, is what it says is David and his men went and took that place because of the bold action that Joab took by going to the inside. It requires many times one person to be the front runner. Maybe that front runner is you. What if God was giving you and inspiring you and mapping out a plan and said, I want you to do that? Do you have a team of people around you that are willing and ready to help take action as you do that? I think that it's an amazing thing, again, at all of our campuses, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, Lone Tree, you have an opportunity to live life with people, experience life with people, and have warriors by your side who are willing to take the enemy. When you say, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, this is how we're going to conquer this, and I'll be the one that leads it, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 10 and 11 said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I specifically, I'm not going to camp on this, but I really just want to, I felt like what the Lord said to me, the men of this church specifically, don't live alone. I believe that one of the enemy's greatest tactics in our lives to prevent us from being able to de defeat the enemy, to be able to tear down the strongholds, is isolation. We live by ourselves and we feel like as men specifically, I could speak because I am one, as men specifically, we feel like we can come up against a stronghold and we can just tackle it ourselves. I'm going to climb the walls of this stronghold. I'm going to take it on by myself. And yet every time we try to do that, the enemy beats us down and beats us down and beats us down. But he's so successful so many times in men's lives specifically of isolating you. And you will never be successful if you're isolated. You need to build relationships around you. You need to get into a men's group. You need to ask for people around you to, in partnership, take on the enemy. That's a freebie. It's one of those things that I, I feel very strongly. If you are living life alone, if you're a man this weekend hearing this message, or maybe any other time, and you're living life alone, you are doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, and you will not be successful in your life when it comes to taking the strongholds of Zion. The enemy's tactics are great when it comes to 
desiring to isolate you from the group because he can have a heyday in your life. So my question is, who's with you? Who's with you? It's both people that are encouraging you as you go in. You know, Joab going into the water shaft, it's a neat deal because I, I could just imagine, I could, I could almost visualize the cheers of the men, mighty men of valor, like, yeah, Joab's gonna do it, he's going in. And he went in with the strength and the encouragement of his people, knowing that if he was successful, they would be waiting for him to penetrate and kill the enemy when he opened those doors. Who's with you as you fight these battles? As you go in, are there people encouraging you? And as you come out, are there people waiting to help you attack the enemy? Are there people waiting? Really briefly, some of you may have seen this many, many times. I've had plenty of questions on it. I don't know if you guys can see this, but it's a ring. And there's a few of us here at the church that wear it. And they're all the same. So I will, I will answer the question that is on many people's lips as they see it. What in the world is that ring and what are all these people wearing it for? Well, there's a group of, of um, us pastors that uh, we've experienced a lot of life together. We've taken on many battles with each other um, and we've just really, we've just, it's been neat to be able to do kingdom work together. And a few years ago, Pastor John had it on his heart that to somehow physically show the brotherhood of what had been created just naturally, maybe some of it was even, a lot of it was intentional. Um, and so there was a group of us that got together Christmas Eve a few years ago, and Pastor John gave us these rings, um, and he said, hey, every person that wears this ring is part of a brotherhood that we take the enemy on together. And at any point in our lives, if we need one another, everyone that wears this ring is there to help that person. Everyone who wears this ring recognizes the fact that we don't do life alone. Not only is God on our side, but there's a brotherhood of guys around us, built in, that we can call on at any moment in time, that would drop what they're doing and say, I'm willing to fight a battle with you. No matter how crazy it may sound, I'm there. And I gotta tell you, the physical display is a really cool thing, but the actual experience of walking in that is something totally different. The understanding and knowledge that I don't have to do life alone, that I have people that I can call on, people that sit in this room right now, that I can call on at any moment and know whatever battle I'm facing, they're there with me. It's important, it's huge. And it's something that many times we in our lives go without completely. So I just, I offer that challenge. May you allow God to map a plan in your life. May it be a bold plan. May you be so risky that you would take action on that plan. And as you do that, may you have a team that helps you accomplish it. If any one of those elements are missing, it's going to be really hard to take the strongholds. But with all of those elements in place, God can do all things. God is bigger than the stronghold you face. He's bigger than the stronghold that any of us face. And as I conclude this message, and at all of our campuses, welcome up 
our worship teams. I leave with this thought. And this is really, this is really what I believe that the Lord was saying to me when it came to what do we do with this? What's, what is that? What's the response that we have? And I believe it's this for a specific group of people. You've recognized that you are living your life in the shadow of a stronghold. You recognize that because of that, you are experiencing a season of great winter. I don't know any other way to say that. Like, it's, it's everywhere that you turn. You know that God is good. It's not that you even necessarily question that. But your experience with God is tainted because of this huge stronghold in your life that you're just living with. And you feel like that that's just the lot that God has for you. That's, well, that's life. I have to live in the shadow of a stronghold. And because of it, I will live in winter for the rest of my life. And you are wrong. You are lied to. You have bought in to the enemy's greatest plan. And it's time to believe that God wants to bring a season of fulfillment, of joy, of life. That the old will be gone, the new will come. And it will be far greater than anything you could imagine. But in order for that to happen, the stronghold of Zion in your life has to be torn down. You need to have a plan from the Lord, and you need to take action on it. So I just want to pray. I want to pray that God would inspire you. If you are sitting and you feel like the Lord has, that's what he's encouraged you, that he's speaking to your heart, I just want to pray with you and I want to stand with you. I will be the first of your team to stand with you. As you walk into this, as you take the stronghold of Zion, as you approach takeover. So if everybody would just bow their heads. So I'm just going to ask. I said, and Pastor John says all the time, heaven is attracted to boldness. If you are in a place where you are experiencing winter, where you recognize that there's a stronghold in your life that has held you captive and you're not okay with it anymore. And you say, I need God's plan. Or maybe I have God's plan and I just haven't taken action on it. If that's you, just raise your hand. Okay. Anyone else? All right, so Father, we stand as your people. Lord God, I believe that you are far greater than anything that we could come up against. Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to encourage, that you would give strength, that you would give wholeness, that you would give boldness to the people right now with their hands raised specifically. And they say, I recognize it and I'm not okay with it. I need the Lord's plan and I need the boldness to take action on it. God, may you encourage those people. May you give them your strength. May you give them your vision. Lord God, may they recognize that greater are you that is in us than the enemy that is in the world. Through you can be, all things can be done. 
and we give you that strength and we give you that power and we give you that authority and we give you that ability, Lord. We lay our lives before your feet. Lord, if you want us to put our swords down and take our armor off and you want us to go and take this place from the inside, we'll do it. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Put your hands down. I want to encourage you too. I know that as I, as I was even just saying the words, I recognize that there's a lot of men out there that were nodding their heads. When I said that whole idea of the enemy isolating, the enemy getting you off alone, so that even if you have a great plan and you try to go in and do it yourself, you're, you're just, you're doomed. If you, are, if you are a man in this room specifically right now and you are isolated, you have, you have cut yourself off, it's not okay. It's not okay. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I bring no judgment. But what I do know is it's not okay to live your life that way and you will constantly be beat up over and over and over and over again. And that is not a way to live life. That is not a way to be a mighty man of valor. That is not a way to take on the enemy. David surrounded himself by 30 men. 30 men. Because he knew he couldn't do it alone. He could fight bears and lions and, and, and giants. But when it came to taking on the enemy of his soul, it required men around him to do it. And it's time for you to stop living your life that way, to break out of it and to surround yourself by godly men who are going to fight a battle with you. It's time to have a brotherhood. So God, I just, I pray that you would work that on the hearts of all of us, specifically the men of this church, Lord. I pray that there would be an encouragement to the men of this church. It's time for us to rise up as your mighty men that are willing to take the enemy on, head on. God, I just pray for your encouragement. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our lives, that you would work and do your great will in us. May the Holy Spirit bring encouragement and life and peace. Ultimately, may you take over the strongholds of our lives. We give you everything that we have, and say that we are all in. God, we are all in. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Church, stand to your feet. This weekend, everything's open to you. Communion, we have our crosses. The Lord's encouraging you that there's something you've got to give to him, something that you've held on to. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the comfortability of living in the shadow of that stronghold, give it to him. There's candles that Jesus is the light in our lives. There's worship. Worship breaks through some of the most difficult battles. So I just encourage you, may you worship, may you encounter the Holy Spirit in a way that maybe you've never experienced. And don't leave here without doing that. If the Lord's putting something on your heart, don't leave and just be okay because next week you're going to come and it's going to be winter again. It doesn't just go away by itself. It's time to do something about it. Pastor Nate.